mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 14. Um, every year I do a, I don't know what you call it, a slogan for the year, a catchphrase for the year. Uh, last year it was setting the captives free in 2023. And so it's something that we try to memorize, we try to learn, we try to think about. It's, I guess it's a theme. I think it's what we should be doing as a body of Christ together. Um, and so this year, this year, I want to tell you to open the door in 2024. Open the door in 2024. Now, I fought with this a little bit because I wanted to do uh, the Philadelphia church, the faithful church. I wanted to talk about an open door before you, opportunity before you. And I believe that in the book of Revelation, you can honestly say that these churches, the seven churches, are also church ages. And so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of theology about that. I'm just going to say that I believe we have left, in many ways, the Philadelphia church, the faithful church, and we are in the lukewarm apostate church, which is the Laodicean church. And so that's what I want to talk about because we can be faithful. You can be faithful. I can be faithful. But do not forget that faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. There's no way to be faithful to God without the Spirit of God. But the Laodicean church has walked away from God. The apostate church has a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. So we move away from it. Now, I, I do believe, and I'm not going to cover all seven of them, that, that, that those type of personalities exist in every church age. And every one of them were actually true churches at that time when these letters were written. So, uh, but I'm not going to go into a, the depth of that. But I do want to uh, tell you that I don't do New Year's resolutions. Now, I see a lot of people doing that. And I'm not telling you that it's it's evil or wrong or bad, but it can, you know, what I see people do is go, I'm making a New Year's resolution to do so-and-so. And by the 3rd of January, they've already broken it. So again, they're discouraged. Again, they are, they're in this same place of despondency instead of making a new life resolution. See, I believe we're supposed to make a new life. November 17th, 1990. Uh, uh, seven, I made a new life resolution. And it's okay if, if on January 1st every year you want to make a resolution to continue to be on the grow, to continue to be on the go, to continue to grow in Christ and mature. 
But I don't think you should be making, you know, New Year's resolutions, just my opinion. You know, it's just, it's just something that should be a new life. If there's something wrong that you're not doing in Christ, it should be about your whole life, that you've come out of the grave, and now you're walking in the newness of life, and this should be corrected because God's convicting, and you should open the door in 2024. Now, that'll make a little bit more sense here in a bit. Look at Philippians. Hold your finger in three and go to Philippians 3, uh, where Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and of course, your homework um, is verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to cover that text that I typically cover where Paul says that it's not tedious to continue to repeat himself. I do believe that the Bible repeats itself over and over and over and over, that God has nothing new to say and he's unchanging and he uses different characters and different prophets and different people in every case, but he's still saying the same thing. He's saying, turn, repent, come to me. So in 3.12 of Philippians, this is just what I want you to think about. Because we always want to be reminded that even Paul said this, not that I have already attained, he hasn't reached the finish line, or I'm already perfected, he's being perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Is that even on the radar screen in your life? that you're trying to lay hold of, get your hands on, be a part of why Christ laid hold of you to bring you, deliver you from the sin nature, to perfect you, to wash you, to cleanse you. We need to be looking forward and saying, what in the world is going on, Lord? I want to lay hold of this life that you've given me. Brethren, excuse me, where is it? 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now really forgetting means to, 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 leaving, to, to leave the mind, to lose from the mind. Listen, to lose from the mind. Looking in the rearview mirror, looking at regrets and looking at, at, at past sin or past shame or what I should have been doing doesn't help you. But looking forward, onward and upward, looking for what God has laid hold of you. Why did he spill his precious blood and give it for your redemption? That's what we need to be doing. The devil would have us looking behind. The devil would have us looking at sin. The devil would have us focusing on everything except Christ. The devil would have us looking and creating programs and ideas and this and that and the other thing instead of lifting up Jesus and looking up to Jesus and asking for forgiveness and moving on, pressing on. 14, 314, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward, notice where it's at, it's in heaven, call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, together, we're doing it as a body, us, as many as are mature, have this mind. If you think you're mature, you think you've been growing and, you, and you're maturing in Christ, this should be your mind. 
This should be how you're thinking, how you're looking, how you're growing. And if in anything you think otherwise, and if you're not, then if you are being matured, if you are pressing on, if you are looking up, then God will reveal even this to you. If you're, see, that's why you don't have to tell everybody what's going on in their life. If they're honestly seeking God, if they're honestly pressing on, if they're honestly trying to grow, God will reveal it to them in his time when they need to know it. You can begin to pray for them when you see it in their lives, but you can trust God to, he's faithful to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. It's God who has called you and he is faithful and he will do it. You can trust him. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And so we should be putting on the mind of Christ. And, and I was going to read the rest of that chapter. You can read the whole chapter. It's a very amazing chapter uh, about life and godliness and how we should be thus living and how there's so many that say they love of Christ, but they're not living for Christ. They're not citizens of heaven but they think they are. Listen, there's a great many people being deceived by the lukewarm church. There's a great many people being deceived by the spirit of Antichrist. There's a great many people that are being deceived and think they're okay and are having a relationship with Christ and they're not. And this should be something that we should always be thinking about, making our election sure, putting ourselves on trial. So we turn back to the 66th book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation, of course, meaning taking the cover off or disclosure, a laying bare, making naked. Really? To make something naked? Listen, that's the place that, that we need to be. Listen to me. We need to understand that we're born naked. That's why Adam and Eve hid themselves. We need to understand why God has come to bring us salvation. Because we're naked before God. He already knows that. But we can be clothed in Christ Jesus. We can put on the newness of life. He has taken our shame. He's taken our judgment. So the uncovering, or to take the cover off, it comes from a word um, that means to take the cover off, or to uncover, to lay open what has been veiled. Interesting uh, words. Interesting words. So let's look back at chapter 3. Revelation, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, 
and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. It says churches, but I said church purposefully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a mighty God. And we pray that you would give us a desire to open the door in 2024. Pour out your spirit upon us. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I will try to be, um, I don't know if you call it short, because I'm not going to be short, but try to be quick through some of this material. Notice that your letters are in red, as is almost all of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, probably at least half of chapter 1. All of 2 and 3 are in red because it's Jesus speaking to John and having him record this and send these letters to these seven churches. And to the angel, the messenger of the church, Ecclesia, those called out ones of the Laodiceans write. This is what he says. Um, and Laodicea really is um, justice of the people. That's what Laodicean means. Or we could say ruled by the people. It comes from Leo, which is a people or a tribe of the people. And a word that is pronounced decay. It's spelled D-I-K-E. We would pronounce it in English, dyke. But in the Greek, it's pronounced decay. D-E-E-K-A-Y. I think that's very important. Because without God, that's what we are. We're going to decay. We're going to die. But it means decay. And listen to what decay means. Decay means... You have free will. It means you have a right and it's self-evident. It means you have a decision to make. So again, ruled by the people. It's your personal decision. Do you want to open the door in 2024? It's your personal decision. It's not a decision being made by every one of us at the same time. And we know that it's a personal relationship. We were dead. We were going to decay or see corruption. And God stepped in and died for us. He did not see decay. He rose again on the third day. No corruption. And now he has set down. He overcame. He went through the fire and has overcame and has set down on the throne with his father, God in heaven. And he has given us an opportunity to also overcome and sat down with him to become uh, rulers with him, royalty with him. 
So Laodiceans, it means right of the people or ruled by the people. Now, as you look at it, ruled by the people means it's religion. No spirit, form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. But at the same time, it means right of the people. So you don't have to be part of the Laodicean church. You don't have to be apostate. You don't have to remain there. God is knocking. He's speaking to us. And if we have an ear, we should listen to what the Spirit says to the church. And it does not mean that we have to stay asleep and stay in a culturanity system that is apostate and has walked away from God, just as the nation of Israel did. Raising up their gurus and their parties and their people and their places and then leading the people to crucify the Lord of glory. Be very, very careful who you're following because we're supposed to be following the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God, Romans 8, 14. So he goes on to say, 14b, these things says the amen, that's his name, so be it, the amen. Because if he said it, it's not, going, it's not going to just go poof and blow up. Everything that God said is going to come to pass. He's the amen, so be it. The faithful, he is the faithful and true witness. Isn't he the one that came? And for this I was appointed, he became the Lamb of God. And everything that he was called to do, he was faithful. Everything that he called to do, he was the true witness of the kingdom of God. No matter what the pressure, no matter what the pain, no matter what was going on, he was faithful and true. He's God. He's faithful even when you and I are faithless because he cannot deny himself. Amen? That's what he just said. In the, excuse me, the beginning of the creation of God. If you look over in Hebrews 1, I'm moving quickly. You'll find out that he was the one who created. All things were created through him. Everything has its beginning in him. That's what that means. 15. And he says this. He's saying this. It's all in red. It's not in red in my Bible, so it bothers me. I have another one at home that, I, that it is in red. It's exactly the same Bible except for that. He says, I know, I know, I see, I understand your works, your ergon. This is what you're occupied with. Listen, because it's very important. In the other churches, he, when he talked about their works, he was commending them for them. Here, he is actually talking about their works, and he is condemning them for them because they're without the Spirit of God. That's what he's going to talk about with the cold and the hot. He's talking about there's no spirit. There's no leading of God. It's not the plan of God. It's some other religious system that has been made up by man, just like the nation of Israel did. So he says, I know your works. Do you know that God knows everything? He knows everything. So he knows what our ergon is, which is our labor. It's what we're occupied with, what we're focused upon, what gets us out of the bed in the morning. It might even be what our master passion is, which really becomes our God, that it's all about us. It's all about what we're laboring for. What am I occupied with in life? What are you occupied? This is a very important question. What are you occupied with in life? Is it, behold, I have come to do thy will, O God? 
according to the amen, the faithful and true witness that everything began with? He's our example. Or is it, behold, I have come to do my will, and I'd like to get what I want done, finished, and then I'll give you some God. See, because our life is not our own anymore. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. And it's not supposed to be what we want to do. It's supposed to be what Christ does through us because we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he knows our ergon, our toil, our doings as an effort or an occupation. Oh, it actually means and your acts. And when you look, I always have to like to do this. When you look at the book of Acts, that gives us an understanding of what the early church did. Their acts, their work, their ergon. They set a pattern for the church. And we've taken it and we've made it apostate and brought it lukewarm. And we've taken the actual title of that book was The Acts of the Holy Spirit Through the Apostles. And we've turned it into just acts. Because we want to remove the focus from the Spirit of God that's living in the child of God and leading us and counseling us and washing and cleansing us and leading us into heaven. We want to remove the Holy Spirit. Or, of course, that's not our desire. It's the desire of the Antichrist to remove the work of the Holy Spirit and the focus from being upon Christ, which is all the Holy Spirit is. It's the Spirit of truth which is Christ. The Spirit is the Lord, the Bible tells us. So he's telling us clearly he knows our works. He knows what we're occupied with. And we should, again, sit down with God, I think, this year, this day, tomorrow. Sit down and pray and talk to God, since he knows. And say, what is it that I should remove why do i need to open the door in 2024 and 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 pray about our past and then press on look up move forward that's what we're supposed to do every day when god convicts us we should move forward he's not convicting us to kill us he's convicting us to grow us and wash us and cleanse us we should agree repent metanoia we'll get to it in a minute and keep moving forward running the same race because he's already died for all of our sin not some of it all of it but we're supposed to have a heart to be hot for god So he says, I know thy works. I know your works. I've got to be careful. I'll get into the King Jameth. That you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That doesn't sound good couple things going on I'd like to talk about. Uh, cold is chilly. Um, that's what it means if you look it up. It's a metaphor for being sluggish uh, or ignoring the true faith. 
Now listen, it's God who's revealing this about the church. And hot means boiled or boiling. It's a metaphor for having fervor of mind and zeal for God. It's the two polar extremes we have here. And, and in the, it, it's, it's really, he's playing on, because he knows all things, uh, they had mountains in that region and had snow upon them. And I uh, have learned this from other sources. I'm not learning this from reading the text, so I'm bringing this in. And they built aqueducts that would bring that snow as it melted into the city. But by the time it came down from the mountains, the water was no longer cold. It was lukewarm. And so you spit it out. It wasn't what we wanted. Think about this for a minute because in our lives we have mountaintop experiences where we're on the mountain and we're talking with God. And we're like, wow, this is so amazing. But by the time we get back down to level ground in a place, in the marketplace, in the city, where we can use it and share it and help others to grow, it becomes lukewarm and we walk away back to the world, back to our own flesh. In the same region, they also had the, the, the water, that, that the boiling water, that, that uh, what are those called? The spas that we call them today. They have some in Marietta. They had these... Uh, um, Anybody got it? Hot springs? And again, by the time they would carry it back in their vessels, the clay pots, and get it to the city, it was no longer hot. It was lukewarm again. And so listen, there's things going on in your life, and you go through a fiery trial where it is really hot. It is really hard. But by the time you get back to the marketplace and the time you get back into what you're supposed to be doing, you're not able to use what God did to burn the, the, the dross out of your life. And then you go right back to the flesh. You go right back to the Laodicean and you're ruling yourself. But the mountaintops and the fire both are supposed to be used by God to change the child of God into the image of God for the glory of God. He's working on us. He loves us. He, he's, he's watering us and bringing water from a far city so that we can not be thirsty, the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, he brings the fire. He allows the fire to burn out the dross so we will die and we will see who we are. So both of these things are going on, but when you're lukewarm, you're not receiving any of the counsel of God, any of the things of God. You're not learning in a way where you're going to grow to do thy will, O God, but you're using it for your own selfish life. And we need to open the door in 2024 and understand who we are in Christ and that we're only here for him. Oh yeah, we do all the natural but by his spirit and because of who he is unto him for his glory, because he's the one that called us into life. He's the one that called us out of darkness. And of course, nobody does it perfectly except him, but our mind and our heart and our lives and all of our resources should still be moving in the correct direction. <coughs> Excuse me. So he says... You should be one or the other. He wishes you were one or the other. And you have to be careful with this. I think I may have 
alluded before that you have to be in his mouth to be vomited out of his mouth. Spew thee out of my mouth. Be careful with that. Because it can be just your final last chance to receive the goodness of God. And it could be somebody not losing their salvation. It could just be somebody that God confirms and uses to show his mighty power like he did Pharaoh, who was never saved, but he was in his world and in his plan and was being used. But it can also be somebody that calls himself a Christian and have never surrendered really to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's my opinion. You can throw it out if you don't like it, but I would encourage you to read your Bible and see that God says he's vomiting you out of his mouth. And it doesn't matter whether you were saved before he did it or not saved. You just got vomited out of God's mouth. That's not a good place to be. So we don't have to argue about whether that person was saved or not. You do not want to be spewed out of God's mouth. That wouldn't be good. Because he says, when he comes with his holy angels, that if we've been confessing him, he will confess us. He's not going to confess us if we've been spewed out of his mouth. Be very careful. Because the world and the devil and your own flesh, your three enemies, is very deceptive. And things feel good and I seem to be okay. And this is... This is better than what they're doing is not the standard. The standard is the word of God, the plan of God, the salvation of God, the spirit of God, the truth of God. That's the standard. That's the plumb line. Even though in so many ways we've made the lukewarm church, the apostate church, the plumb line, that doesn't mean it's true. Look what Israel had done. They made the Pharisees and the Sadducees the plumb line, and they just argued between the two which one was right, and everybody looked at them, and they were both wrong. And God was standing in their midst, and they yelled, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And they thought they were doing God favors. They thought they were doing great, and God was the one with the favor coming down to die for us. And he uses everything that the devil means for bad, for good. So you can trust him. You don't have to fully understand him to surrender to him. I will vomit you. I will spew thee. Isn't that interesting? It means to throw up, to reject with extreme disgust. Now listen, he says, I will. I will. So if we stay cold or hot, if we stay lukewarm right in the middle, the expectation is that God is going to spit us out. See, if you're cold, I always say if a person's laying in a ditch drunk, he's better off than somebody that's in the church drinking. He still knows he needs a doctor. The person in the church thinks they're okay in their sin. They think they're okay because I'm hanging around with people that are accepting me. That's why the love of God would tell us to tell people the truth. God is getting ready to. As many as I love, I rebuke. No, not in today's church. You love people, you don't rebuke them. You just accept them where they're at. You condone it. You just, you come on in here, brother. That's deception. 
God says he's come down to save us. And if we don't receive that salvation his way, he'll give us another chance. He'll rebuke us. He'll chastise us. But if we continue to leave the door closed in his face, he'll vomit us out of his mouth. Open the door in 2024. God will do the rest. All you have to do is open the door. Allow him to come into your heart and live. Lukewarm, tepid, tepid, T-E-P-I-D, a word we don't use anymore for water. I do remember as a kid hearing older people use that word. It means less cold than common water. What? Metaphorically, though, it's a condition of the soul. We're supposed to be hot for God. I mean, think about it. If you're dead and you're crucified and it's the Spirit of God living in you and the Spirit of God is God, wouldn't He be hot? If He came to do something and He's already died for us, then He seals us with His Holy Spirit, wouldn't the Holy Spirit already be on fire for God since it is God? So metaphorically, it really means um, a condition of the soul with numbness, inactivity, loss of power or motion. These are some of the words it means. Uh, it means dullness, laziness, sluggishness, or stupidity. You know, Rome, or excuse me, Proverbs 12.1 says, He who hates correction is stupid. That's what it's talking about. He's talking about receive counsel from me. Receive instruction of the Word of God, of the truth of God, of what's going on in your life and in the world. Open the door and receive it. Don't just, don't just read it. Don't just listen to it. Don't just walk around and go, oh, well, that was a pretty good sermon. Oh, wow, God said some stuff there. But now that I got back to the real life, I became lukewarm again. I'm no longer hot for what he said, although I got excited at church. That's your emotional church. Listen, we're not here for emotions, people. We're here to be equipped for the work of the ministry till we all come to the knowledge of the fullness of Christ. Till we come to a unity and we go back out and we tell other people about it. That's what God's doing. He wants to make us the perfect faithful witnesses. Just like Christ, the amen. That's what he's doing. He's making us like his son. Who was the amen. When, our, our, when we say yes, our yes should be yes. Our no should be no. We should be faithful because of the spirit of God. We should be witnesses because of the spirit of God. I better keep moving. I'm getting way too off. We shouldn't be stupid. Not my word. God's word in the Bible. He who hates correction is stupid. I think it's brutish in the King James. So I'll give a little bit of leadway from that. But lukewarm is not a good place. And if we're lukewarm with God instead of hot, instead of running a race to win, Instead of going out to make disciples, listen, instead of trusting him completely, then we have to know that we could be in trouble at the heart of our Christian walk. Because the expectation is, I will vomit you 
out of my mouth. And listen to this. It's really interesting that the word mouth <laughs> the word mouth is the word from Hebrews 4.12 when it says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper, that's the word for mouth, sharper than any two-edged sword and able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner, a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I know your works. A single cut is what it means out of his mouth. A single cut, severed from God, vomited out, rejected. Of course, mouth is a, a gash in the face or the edge of a weapon. That's where that comes from because that's what that word is used for. 17, because, see that word? This is the cause. Here's the cause. Because. Here's the, the caustic, the, the, the causation. That's what it says. He's telling us it, it, why. Here's why they're cold. Here's why they're lukewarm. Here's why they're not hot. Because you say. Listen. Our own words our own authors that write books and say. This is how we get to lukewarm apostate church instead of the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Why? Because we walk away from what God says. We walk away from God's Word. Perilous means a reduction in strength because we move away from what God has said and we move to what the culture is saying and the spirit of Antichrist is saying and what my emotions and feelings are saying and what I think we should do because we're in 2024. Listen, open the door in 2024 to God's word, to what God says. Here's the cause. Because we say, you say, they say, I that's ego. Listen, ego is always ease God out. That's what that word is, ego in the Greek. Ease God out. We're easing God out and sliding in what we want to do that feels good. I am rich, which means wealthy, figuratively abounding with uh, material resources. You know, that's a way that we measure the church today. Oh, that's a nice church. They got a big parking lot. Look at the steeple. Look at them stained glass windows. Oh, they got a lot of doctors and lawyers. I am not picking on any of these things. None of these things. These things are, are not the problem. The problem is, is when we look at it and think it's a rich church because of the physical, temporal, material Listen, God wants us to be a good steward. God wants us to understand that he's not broke. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. I do believe that we should give offering to the church that we're at and to other ministries. We should help people. We should be giving of our resources, of our time, talents, and treasures, but not because God is broke, but because God wants your heart. 
And when you think you're rich and wealthy and you have need of nothing, it's because your heart is wrapped around your bank account. Your heart is wrapped around something that's physical and temporal and not wrapped around God. So he wants us to teach our heart that no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this money I give away to show that I don't trust in it, but I trust God. And I want to support people who trust God. So it's your heart doesn't get attached to it. He's doing it for us. That's why I can't take it when I see tithing and offering and all this giving sermons about God wants you to give 10% and give this or that or the other thing. He wants you to give all. Just as Christ did, the faithful and the true witness, the amen. He gave all. Because none of this is going to do anything for you. It's all going to burn. But he does want you to be a good steward. He does want you to take good care of your family. But he always wants to be first. Because if you make him last after my leftovers, then you're really not trusting him. You give to him first. And to the world and your flesh and everything else, second. But most of the church in the lukewarm church and the apostate church, if anything's left over of my day, if anything's left over of my week, if anything's left over of my paycheck, I'll give. But I have to first take care of me. I say I'm rich. I say. Listen to me. Very important to look at the contrast of what the person and the church and the people and the whole system itself is saying about themselves And then what God says about them, which is the complete opposite, if there is an opposite. The opinion of the church today, is it really God's opinion? Is it really sharing the word of God for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God? Or is it building its own little kingdom, its own little ministries, its own little programs, its own little notoriety its own little name that's antichrist spirit salvation in no other name but the name of jesus and that always points to his character his nature his will his authority because authority is what this is all about people who has authority over your heart are you ruling your own heart laodicean or is god's word counseling your heart and ruling it Do you do what you do because of God's word or because you have a right and you choose to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it and so you're lukewarm? That's what this is talking about. Or at least it is to me and it speaks loudly to me. I need this sermon. That's why we find ourselves back here for about the fifth time. Probably because your pastor needs it more than you need it. Or some people in Texas, who knows. Notice, because you say, personal, isn't it? I am rich, have become wealthy. That means rich and increasing. It means means getting more, increased with goods is what the King James actually says. Do you know that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, everybody thinks it's because of the sexual immorality. And I know there's a great sermon out there and an argument for that. But look over in Ezekiel 16. We just read this not long ago. 
Ezekiel 16. God tells us why he destroyed or the beginning of how and why he destroyed. We know that the finality was where they ended up at. It's uh, 1646. Your elder sister is Samaria who dwells with her daughters to the north of you and your younger sister who dwells in the south of you is Sodom and her daughters. You did not walk in their ways nor act according to their abominations but as if that were too little, you became more corrupt than they in all your ways. And he's talking to, uh, I believe, the southern kingdom, Judah. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Listen, he's telling us what the iniquity was. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food. They were rich and they increased in their wealth. They said, I, 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 that's pride. Wealth increasing food, an abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, pure and unadulterated religion, taking care of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Their cupboards were full. They had everything they needed and they had need of nothing. So they become idle and they rose up to play just like when Moses was on the mount getting the Ten Commandments, and the children were there waiting on him to come, and they were idle. And they said, we don't know what's happened with this man Moses, and they rose up to play because they were idle. They were not about the Lord's business, taking care of the poor and the needy, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had an opinion of themselves that they were rich and had become wealthy and had need of nothing. Listen, if you're on this planet with this flesh, you have need of Christ. You always have need of His Spirit. Have need of nothing. That means demanding or ne necessary nothing. Not nothing. Let me ask you a question today. Are you so comfortable that you have need of nothing right now? Have you reached a place? I mean, you could talk to a lot of people that are fine where they're at in life, they're comfortable and complacent and content where they're at in life. This is not our home. There's no reason why we should be comfortable, complacent, and content here. We are behind enemy lines. Can we have peace? Can we have rest? Yes, because we know where we're at. We know our identity. We know what's going on. We know the battle that's going on. But to be comfortable? I've reached a place where I'm comfortable in life. Really? I hope you mean you're comfortable that Christ has got you. I hope you're not trusting in your 401k and the government because they're underneath the sway of the wicked one. 
And they can control you if you're leaning on them and your heart's to them. They're going to be able to control you really easily as soon as Israel picks the Antichrist. If you didn't leave in the rapture, you will be controlled. Listen to me. Our help comes from the Lord. If you think you have need of nothing, I got it going on pretty good. Swipe a credit card, pay my bills, running through life. This is good. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to have it going on good. We're here to be witnesses. We need to open the door in 2024. Have need of nothing. Look, I don't know what that line means, but then he says, and do not know. Do not know. We do not know. It's knowest not. We know it's not. Have no knowledge that we are what? Here's God's opinion that you are wretched. Remember Paul? What is it? Seven, chapter seven. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin? I thank my God. 725, I thank my God that Jesus Christ will. But do not know that you are miserable, most pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Can you imagine that, that a person would think, I am rich, I am getting wealthier, and doing better, I have need of nothing. And you say, wait, Greg, isn't this talking about unbelievers? No, he's talking to the church. Write this, send this to the church. In Laodicea, that's ruling themselves, that thinks they're right in their own eyes and they're not using me as the plumb line. Because God's opinion is, is that they don't know that they're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Even Paul knew that he was a wretched man. Do you know you're a wretched? that we're the wretch that the song was written about? And if you try to get on the throne and say, I, 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 you're still wretched. You can't get out of the grave. You have to let Christ be on the throne, the Spirit of God wash and cleanse you. You have to look to Him for your strength and your counsel. We're, we're pitiful. We're poor not rich. We're beggars, paupers, in distress, which is a good place to be. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor, for, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you know it, you're in a good place. When you don't know it and you think you're okay, you're in a bad place, lukewarm, getting ready to be vomited out of his mouth because that's what he's going to do. But he's going to give us more chances Blind, spiritually blind, or physically blind, the word can be, but I'm sure it's talking about spiritually. Naked, still running around, hiding from God, as Adam and Eve did. Where are you? We were naked and we hid ourselves. It means nude. Wow, that's a... Big revelation there, Greg. Means not covered. Without clothing. 
got a note here, 16, Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. The way it looks, since we have all these signs around, and I get in trouble for this. Gather. You know, God's gathering them for Armageddon. It said in the next line there. Gather? Just gather? What spirit are you following while you're gathering? Because there's a, there's a whole convergence going on where God is gathering them to Armageddon, to the final battle, to destroy the enemies of the cross. If we're following a lukewarm apostate church. I got to be careful. I'll get in trouble. People kick me out of church. Can you do that even? I don't think you can kick me out of what you didn't give to me. Christ called me out. And I'm in no way perfect but I'm being perfected just as Paul said. And I pray you are too. But we have to stay in a place where we understand that apart from him, we're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then what do we do? Verse 18, God counsels you. Listen, he counsels us. Listen, it means to recommend, to give counsel. What do you mean? And it means to deliberate. He's given you counsel. You get to be the jury. You get to decide in your Laodicean free will. You get to deliberate and look at it and go, ah, nope, God, I got other plans. You can be double-minded all you want. But you're going to be lukewarm at best if you don't receive the counsel of God who knows everything. So he counsels you, me, personal, to buy what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Give up your life. That's the only way you're going to buy anything from God. Give your life up. Or you can let something else buy your soul. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. The gold is deity, right? Who went through the fire already for us? Christ did. Gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. You get the inheritance with him when you believe that he's already been refined by the fire. He's already proved who he was. And white garments. You get clothed in Christ as white garments. Why? That you may be clothed that your shame of your nakedness may not be revealed Because if you stay and you reject his counsel, the shame and the nakedness is going to be there. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Of course, we could talk about many things. They talk about them being rich and they had a great medical community and, and, and they were looking to their medical community in Laodicea. They were ruling themselves. They were taking care of themselves. They had ISAB that was supposed to be top of the line. 
But God's talking about the Holy Spirit to put on so you may be able to see spiritually the truth, to hear spiritually, because you've got to take His counsel and the Spirit of God and mix the two together to be washed and cleansed. So this is referring to the Holy Spirit, not the system of the world that makes great eyes have to open eyes. And listen to him. He says in 19, as many as I love, my goodness, rebuke me, Lord. Chastise me, Lord. See, because if you're without chastisement, you're a bastard. That's what it says in the King James. You're none of his. But he chastises those he loves. And that is not the word agape. That's the word filio, where we get the faithful church, Philadelphia. He's faithful. He's the faithful and true witness. And as many as he is friends with and he loves, he rebukes. It's a good thing. But see, I was talking with the kids, the grandkids, on the way to church. Boy, we are a stiff-necked mule people. We don't want anybody to correct us even if it's good for us. That's not the way you should do that. You should probably do it like this. It'll be safer on you not to shake it up before you open it. I like to shake it up. Okay. Don't do it in my truck then. Go outside. Listen, we're stiff-necked. We don't want to hear. We don't want to learn. We don't want to receive instruction. But God's not doing anything just to be boss. Okay? He's not doing anything to be God. He's not doing anything to be King of kings and Lord of lords. But He's allowing you to deliberate and decide. Are you going to rule your own life and lead back to death? Or are you going to let Him rule your life and lead you out of this world, through the door, and into heavenly places for eternity? It's your decision. It's a free will. But that's what he wants is people that will love him because he first loved us. He could have created robots. He could have made people that obeyed him. He could have pretended like, oh, look at these people. They just love me so much. No, he wants you to free will choose it. And then he says, if you open the door, I'll do everything else for you to change you into my image. And then he gets to enjoy us freely choosing to love him because he first loved us. And nobody else can do anything about it once you choose to open the door in 2024. You can do it in 2023. You can do it where you're sitting at right now. But I was just making a little catchy cliche so you remember it all year long. Because it doesn't change. But he rebukes. Because he loves us, he rebukes. Now let's look what that means. It means to admonish, to convict, to convince. It means to tell a fault, to reprove, or to bring to light, to expose. Listen, see, you can't do that in the church today. The cold, lukewarm church today that is liberal. Don't judge me, man. We're here. All we're going to talk about here is the goodness of God and the love of God. If you love somebody, you want them to know that God is going to judge one day. And you want them to know the parameters. 
Now listen, nothing that I'm talking about here gets you saved except opening the door and believing the counsel of God. You're saved by believing that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. But if you're saved, this is what follows salvation. Sanctification. Because what follows sanctification is glorification. It's not a one-time thing. It's the rest of your life thing because you've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. And you're not your own. Can you see? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you? Or are you quenching, grieving, lying to, insulting the Holy Spirit of promise? As many as I love, I rebuke. My goodness. Tell me a fault, Lord. I need to know. Now listen, and, and I continue to talk about this, and I've, since, since I've been born again, I've noticed that if I wish to see all of God's beauty, I would die. But I also know I would give up if He showed me all of my ugliness, all of my sinfulness, all the things that are still left to do in order to purify me and wash me and cleanse me and perfect me and get me glorified across the finish line. I just go, there you go, no use. My heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it but you? You already know. He doesn't show you everything at once because we would go, oh, this is no use. But what he does is he gives you one thing at a time. He might give you two, but he wants you to deal with them. To he receive the counsel, receive the rebuke. Don't be stupid and go, that's not me, Lord. I'm not rich. I never claim to be rich. Or are you trusting in riches? Are you trusting in the physical world? Are you trusting in the counsel of the ungodly? Because you're going to soon be standing with them and then sitting with them. Psalms 1. If you're putting your trust in this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one, you will listen to them and then you'll want pride in your pride to be part of them. And then you'll sit down in the seat of those scorners that hate God. It's, it's, it's the same thing with God. If you listen to his counsel, you'll be walking with God. You'll be daily with him in the garden, which is your heart. You'll be receiving his counsel, and you'll be sitting with him in heavenly places because you will have overcome, and you didn't even know it. But he just did it because you opened the door in 2024. Today is the day for salvation, and it's still 2023. So as many as he loves, God come to rebuke and to chasten it's a great word i love it because it's a word that means to train a child in the way he's supposed to go it means to educate we become a child of god then god wants to educate us he wants to train us in how to live as one of his children and in order to do that you have to tell a fault you have to discipline with punishment thus the world makes laws that you can't punish your kids anymore. You have to give them timeouts. I'm sorry. It's just part of the world that we live in. That's underneath the sway of the wicked one. But this word chasten means to train up a child. And if we don't listen to the counsel of God and obey, then he rebukes us. He reproves us. He tells us. 
And then he begins to correct us and educate us and discipline us so that we can enjoy life eternal with him and not continue to train our heart to go the other way and think we're okay when we're lukewarm at best. And he's getting ready to vomit us out of his mouth. Look what he says. Therefore, all of that was there for this. If you want to know why he said all of that, be zealous and repent. Wow. So the first word of the gospel is the last word of the gospel? Same word of the gospel. Zealous, though, means this. Listen. Zealous. Be zealous is to have warmth of feeling for or against something. To be full of zeal. It means to be hot. Hot for God. Hot to repent. Change your mind. Oh, I'm rich. Have need of nothing. I've become wealthy. Wait a minute. God just showed me that I'm wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. I think I'll change my mind since God knows more than I do. I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to believe Him and receive Christ and then really receive all the riches of heaven as I become a joint heir. It means to think differently afterwards. Are you going to follow your opinion, the world's opinion, or God's opinion? That's what he's talking about. Which word is the one that's going to stand forever? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So he says in verse 20, behold, or lo, or, or it means see. I'm standing at your heart door speaking. That's what it means. There's different doors. I mean, he's the door uh, of the sheep gate over in John 10. He, he, he's the, he's uh, um, the door to your heart here. By his spirit convicting you and telling a fault. He, he's the door into heaven. Jesus is the door. I think it's the word thyro, which just explodes, and I didn't even chase it because if I chase it, then I end up with so much more that we wouldn't get through this sermon. So I just I just stayed back. I said, Behold, but look what he's doing. He wants us to be hot to change our mind, hot to think differently, hot to reconsider, zealous, because he's standing at the door of our heart speaking. He's standing, which means to abide and continue to present. Listen to this. It means to cause or make to stand. In other words, our own opinion can keep him out. He's standing at the church door. He's standing knocking with his word, with his voice. And the reason he's still standing there and continuing to knock is because we cause him to stay there because he wants to save us. He wants to rebuke us. He wants to chastise us. He wants to get us across the finish line. But there comes a time when he'll vomit us out of his mouth. And he's not standing there anymore. Right now, he's still knocking. While he's still knocking, he's still given opportunity for us to say yes, which is to open 
He knocks. It means to rap. His voice, his word is knocking. Truth is knocking at the heart door of our lives. And if we hear, give audience, and answer the phone, hear his voice, phone A, receive his counsel, receive his word, receive his truth, He promises that he would come in. He'd enter our hearts and bring fellowship, sup, a meal, fellowship. But it starts with repentance, changing our mind, opening the door. He's not going to force himself on us at all, ever. But notice the response is with action. Salvation, no action of our own. The response, though, is action. Change your mind. And I believe opening means to listen to his counsel. To agree. I agree. I confess. I agree. I thought I was rich. Obtaining more riches. I was pursuing those. And had need of nothing. But I heard your word that I was wretched, blind, miserable, and naked. And I agree. Would you come in and clean this blind, wretched, naked heart life up? So we're literally hearing his voice. That's the knock, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when we listen with the intent to obey, we're opening, we're responding. And then he makes a promise to come in Seal us with the Holy Spirit and dine with us, sup with us. Interesting, sup. It means supper. Take the principal evening meal. And it actually, when you look it up, it means intimate and blissful intercourse with God. Social intercourse where now we've recognized who we are we're listening to the counsel, the word of truth, and we're allowing it to change us as we sit at the table with God and have intimate fellowship with Him. Listen, we, we need to, just like the early church, and I always have to put this plug in, is the word prayer and fellowship. It's not, it's not to be saved, it's because we're saved. I should want to know what my master expects. I should want to know what the unchanging God has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. That's what the Bible's about. All of the history, everything about God, his testimony, how his plan works. And I would encourage you, pick up a schedule, get on a schedule. Read through your Bible. Your life will change dramatically just reading through it one time. But it's not a dime store novel where you just read the last book. That's what most people want to do. Oh, I like the book of Revelation, that last book, the 66th one. Well, the 66th one, without the counsel of God and receiving it, makes 666. That's what it reveals, is who has marked you, whose mark is upon you. Because man is the number six. We want to know the full counsel of God. All 66 books written by 40 authors. 40 is the number of judgment. 
They're all telling the same testimony of what God is doing to rescue us from ourselves, from our own opinions. Isn't that a book in the Bible, First Opinions, First and Second Opinions? It's the one that leads you to hell. Right along with First and Second Fleshalonians. And Isaiah. I'm serious. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every person that said, oh, it's in the Bible, and they had no idea what's in the Bible. And I'm not trying to be haughty or anything. I happen to be, when I made a new life resolution, I happened to count it as part of the grace and the blessing that somebody said, read the Word of God. Surrender to the Spirit of God. Believe the counsel of God. And I knew that I was wretched because He opened my eyes. And I know that apart from Him, I'm still wretched. And I need to stay low and know that there's nothing good that dwells in me. One day I'm going to cross the finish line now. And then he gives you a reward. You get a crown. But by that time, you're smart enough to take it off and lay it back down at his feet. <laughs> and sing to him because we know it wasn't us. Right now, we still think it's us. We're nothing but a dirt ball, as someone has said. Yeah, but I'm an anointed dirt ball, so you're greasy. Whoopee, you still need to give glory to God. He's the one shaping and forming and doing the work until the day of Christ Jesus. Faithful is he who called you, and he will also do it if you answer the door in 2024. Where are we at? So he will come in and sup with us, dine with us, have an intimate blissful social intercourse truth is standing at the door of your heart with counsel because he knows everything about us open the door in 2024 and have fellowship with him which creates a heart to have fellowship with his people that are doing that that's why the word, prayer, and fellowship, the word of God, reveals God's character, nature, and will. Praying to him makes you more dependent upon him. It's an act of dependency. I can't fix this. I'm blind, naked, miserable. I'm wretched. So I got to go pray and ask God about this. What does your word say about this? I need to ask other people. What does the counsel of God's word say about this? I don't know the whole Bible. So what does it say? I'm ready to do this, but I'm stupid. And you ask God's counsel. And then in the multitude of counsel, you wage your own war. And you live your life. You listen to God's word. And he'll make you look good. Every time, unless he wants to make you look bad. Then he make you look bad every time. But at least you won't be lukewarm. You'll be in the center of God's will. He who overcomes...
to him who overcomes, Nikea, I will grant, give, to sit with me on my throne. Oh, there's only one throne in heaven, isn't there? As I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Interesting. We're joint heirs. And the only way you're going to overcome is by believing him who has already been through the fire and overcame. You can't overcome on your own. You can get the victory. That's what it means by believing the counsel of God who's standing, knocking, and telling you when you open the door. That's the only way to get the victory. We don't fight for victory. We stand in victory. Now we need to go and stand at other people's heart's door in victory and knock. Share the truth with them. It's the only thing that will change their mind. It's the only thing that will get them to come to Jesus and enjoy the blessing that we have to be a child of God is when we stand at their heart's door and knock just like he did at ours. But we have to be the amen, the faithful and true witness partner sitting on the throne with him, joint heirs involved with his ministry, doing his work because heaven, I mean, excuse me, all power and all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our command. That's our marching orders. That's our counsel. And as we do it, listen, we're going to have some mountaintops where the water is really, really cold and refreshing. News from a far land. We're going to have some fiery trials where it's hot and it's burning out the dross. But all of it can be used for the glory of God. All of it can be used as we go through it and get to the other side to show others that God is with us. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's all being used as a testimony as we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we do not love this life, our opinions, to the death. Again, what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? I'm going to give mine to Christ freely because he bought it with his blood and I believe it. And uh, if I find myself getting up, I like to kick myself right in the face and put some more dirt back on me because I'm nothing but a dirt bag anyway. Oh, that is so terrible. Don't say that about yourself. Don't you love yourself? No, I don't. That's the lukewarm liberal church. I know that there's nothing good that dwells in me. But we can talk about the Word of God and surrender to it. Isn't that crazy? We get to sit on God's throne with Him. What a privilege! Wow. Yeah, I'm special. Zealous for good works. That's what we're supposed to be. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that's in context of the whole seven churches. 
Do you have an ear? Of course. There are people that were born deaf, but of course we have an ear. Do you have a spiritual ear? Are you still saying, how will I know? He's the amen. He's the faithful and true witness. You can trust him. You can believe him. Are you listening to what the Spirit says to the church? I'm looking for a scripture while I'm talking. How insane is this? It's actually verse 6, 1, 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. And he's coming. I just was looking. He calls him God and Father. And when I was reading that, it just struck me. Um, Truth is always waiting for us to receive. Uh, But we seem to like our own counsel. We seem to like the lie. You know, we seem to like to follow the lie for some reason when our flesh is on the throne. So are you hearing God's word? Are you getting into the word prayer and fellowship? I'll close with this. We need to open the door in 2024. Most people in the church are always looking at, and I'm reminded of, We're always looking at the sin of commission. You listening to me? Oh, look what I did. Oh, we should be confessing that before God, our committing sin. But the bigger problem in the church is the sin of omission. Omission. See, the devil wants us focused on commission, what we've been committing, and we should be concerned But the omitting of doing the will of God, being led by the Spirit of God and obeying God and going forth in the counsel of God is the bigger problem that keeps us from being mature, from growing and forgetting that which is behind us. We have to keep opening the door and stop the sin of omission. When God speaks to us, that's the moment to act. That's the moment to go. That's the time to say, yes, Lord. But most omit doing that because they're too busy being on their own throne. And they've bought into the lie of one prayer and I'm saved instead of the fruit of a saved life. Your fruit and your mind and your direction and everything about your life is going to change when you begin to act according to the word of God and the spirit of God and live by what he says and receive his counsel, and open the door in 2024. He's waiting. Pick up the phone. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, there's so much that you want to do in our lives, in our communities. Teach us how to stand at other people's door and knock so that they would receive your counsel, your word, your truth.
Give us a desire, Lord, to find out, to investigate, to put feet to our faith and go forward, trusting you to do the work by faith. Help us to be occupied with your will and not my will. Help us to be living witnesses of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church, through the apostles, through those that have been sent forth as trophies of grace. Thank you, Lord, for knocking for so long. Help us to open the door in 2024. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I